Welcome to episode two of Mother Time. Have you ever wondered what it actually means when someone says that time is relative? Because people love to say that that's the explanation for time dilation and all that. Oh, it's relative. And they don't really go into much detail. And saying time is relative is not really an explanation for anything because I don't really know what that means. And I had to do a lot of digging to figure it out for myself. Um, I remember I said in the episode before this that I had watched the movie Interstellar and that's what got me interested and that is so true and I'm not going to leave you guys waiting any longer. Today I am going to present to you my infamous space time presentation and that is why I named episode two space time. Honestly let's just jump right in. We are talking about what the hell it means when someone says time is relative. We're going to be talking about Albert Einstein and his special theory of relativity. Um, I remember I said in episode one, don't forget that he first came out with um, his paper, his whole, you know, his own presentation of his work, and it was called The Electrodynamics of Moving Bodies. And then the special theory of relativity came out. And then after that, the general theory of relativity came out. After I watched Interstellar, I was absolutely fascinated because they told me that, you know, this is based on real science and I just had to figure out the real science for myself. So this presentation is that. We will start it like this. It is possible to travel to another planet, stay there for two days, and then return to Earth where 20-something years have gone by. So let's get real into it okay let's pretend that me and you are sitting here together and you say sierra wait right here i'm going to hop in my spaceship and go to another planet very far away and one that is a different size than ours and i do exactly that i wait here i wait for you to come back you get in your spaceship shoot up and you know two days go by for you and when you come back i have aged 20 years and 20 years have gone by on earth and you are the same exact age that you were when you left because it's literally only been 48 hours for you and physically for your body. That was, that example was given in the movie Interstellar. Basically they went in the wormhole and they went really far away to like go check out this planet and they fucked up and they got stuck on this planet and because the gravity was different time was different yeah he ended up coming back and his daughter was like 90 years old and he was still the same age so back to albert einstein that example was given in the movie interstellar and in 1905 Albert Einstein proved this to be possible. So in the freaking 1900s, Albert Einstein knew that this could actually happen. And that's why they put it in Interstellar to like make it more well known, I think, to the average person. Even though it's like, it doesn't seem real, it is real. Let's get back into Einstein's special theory of relativity. Albert Einstein helped develop the idea of space-time. Space-time is like a fabric where all massive objects sit. Okay, I want you to picture space time as a bed or as a trampoline. A trampoline is kind of a better analogy, um, but the two dimensional trampoline is not really how space time works, obviously, because space time would be all encapsulating. So I have a little picture. So here's my little picture of massive objects cause a distortion in space time, just like that. But cooler picture now. 
this is really what it looks like. See how it's like affected on all different sides? I don't want like the lights to be glaring in it. But anyways, it's being affected from all sides. But picture the trampoline and we'll keep that simplified version as what we're going to be go based off of. The first thing that we need to talk about is gravity. And we are still talking about the fabric of space-time. So keep the trampoline in your mind and let's talk about gravity. If you take a massive object and put it on the trampoline like a bowling ball, it's going to distort the trampoline. And that is exactly what planets or any massive object in space sitting in the fabric of space-time, that is what massive objects do. They distort space-time. It was Isaac Newton who came up with the idea of gravity and he was like, it's this force, it's this invisible force. But Einstein is the guy who came in and knocked Newton's idea right off the table and said, no, this is what's going on. It's not this invisible force. It's something that emerges when you have a massive object sitting in the fabric of space-time and, you know, in turn distorting it. I have it written here. Gravity emerges as a result of a massive object distorting space-time. If there is no massive object, there is no gravity. And obviously, if the massive object moves, the distortion moves with it, okay? What you can kind of sort of say, and I'll explain this, is that gravity is just another word for acceleration. So now let's go back to our trampoline analogy. Let's say you put a bowling ball in the center and then you take some other smaller like tennis balls or marbles even, something smaller, and you know, you start to orbit them around the trampoline. Do you see what I mean? How like they're going to fall always towards the bowling ball because the bowling ball is causing such a distortion. So if something was orbiting, it's going to orbit on this curved pathway that the bowling ball is causing. So that is why the moon stays in our orbit. That's why we stay in the sun's orbit. Picture the sun as the bowling ball and all of the other planets around it. They're orbiting because they're forced to, because literally they, they can't go out of space time and, and continue going straight because their path is curved around. Just picture, just, you know, picture it or like a roulette table. You know what I mean? Like if you're at the casino and they're doing roulette, how it's going around like that. Obviously, it would always continue to go around if it was like there was something in the center pulling it towards it. It's never going to fall completely in. I don't know why. That's for another day. Like, why doesn't the Mercury, I think, yeah, Mercury is closest to the sun. Mercury is the closest planet to the sun. And it's not like roulette where, you know, it's going to keep spinning around until eventually it just crashes into the sun. Something else is preventing that collision. But still, you can kind of see where I'm going at if that's why the orbit is happening because bowling ball and the trampoline, it is going around it. It's stuck in there because the fabric of space-time is distorted. Now let's sum it up in a quick little sentence. Stay with me. And I'm going to explain this more. I know this might be a little much. The larger the object so picture bowling ball versus tennis ball. The larger the object, the stronger the gravitational pull, the faster it is moving you through space towards that object. Just like if you had a tennis ball versus the bowling ball, things are going to fall towards the bowling ball faster than they would fall towards the tennis ball because the distortion is larger. That's easy to understand. You guys get that. Moving on. 
Okay, now you might be asking the question, okay, I understand all that and like what we're talking about right now with gravity and space-time and the fabric of space-time and that's how things orbit, but how does time enter into this picture and why is it called space-time and not just space, outer space? Why is this not just a distortion of space but also a distortion of time? The equation that Einstein used to prove this is something that we use every day. And stick with me. It is speed equals distance over time. So now, I know, I know. This is a lot, this is a lot to digest. You, you guys understand gravity. And you understand that there's a fabric of space-time. And that's where all these, you know, floating comets, planets, moons, and stars. That's where they are all sitting. Okay? Time and space work together. If something changes with space, time is also going to change. And I kind of looked up a little, let me, let me give you guys just like the rundown Google fact. If you look up what does time is relative mean, Google will say, in the special theory of relativity, Einstein determined that time is relative, or in other words, the rate at which time passes depends on your frame of reference. Every single explanation like needs further explaining. Like what now, now we're like, what the fuck does frame of reference mean? Let's go back to Einstein's equation, speed equals distance over time, because that is the part that we are up to. Please don't let me lose you here. Stay with me. It's easy. It's fucking easy. Okay. We use it every day. When, when you're driving on the highway and your thing says miles per hour and you know you're going 60 miles per hour or 80 miles per hour, how do you know that? Like, how do you know how fast you're going? Speed is equal to distance divided by time, okay? So how far you are going and how long it took you to get there. That's how you can determine your speed. I was going 60 miles every hour. That's my speed, okay? Let's, we, we're gathering all these things. We're gathering the information about space-time, about gravity, now about this new equation. Now I want to talk about the speed of light, okay? I have a question for you guys. If someone wanted to travel from point A to point B, the shortest path that they would take would be a straight line, correct? You should be saying, yes, Sierra, that is fucking correct, or you're on drugs, and you are right. That is, you know, obviously the shortest path from point A to point B is a straight line. But remember, we live on Earth. Earth is a sphere. So if I wanted to go from the North Pole to the South Pole, my shortest path is not like legitimately in reality. It doesn't even exist that there's a straight line to go from the North Pole to the South Pole because the line is slightly curved, okay? That's all you need to remember. In my mind, I would fucking walk straight from the North to the South. I would die. I would never make it across all the oceans and all the land. But if I wanted to go from North to South, the shortest path would be my straight but curved line down. Now let's go back to the equation, speed equals distance over time, okay? It was Einstein who realized that the speed of light is absolute. So speed equals distance over time. The speed for the speed of light 
will always in any fucking situation in the world be 186,000 miles per second. When I say that, I kind of like bug out too. Like 186,000 miles per second. What the fuck? Literally, what the fuck? Okay. The speed of light will always remain the same. It will never, ever, ever go faster or slower in any situation, okay? Let me explain. I'll give you a little analogy. So, pretend you are the captain of a fucking fleet and you are sailing your ship with all of your crew behind you, okay? And the current is going with your boat. You would be going faster, and as a good captain, you would know that we are traveling faster because we're going with the current, okay? If you turned your ship around and now you're going against the current, your boat is going to be moving slower because the water is going this way and pushing a force this way and your boat's trying to go the opposite way, okay? Now I want you to think of light. Light in any situation is going to go 186,000 miles per second. Whether it's going with the current, against the current, it doesn't matter. The water, I mean the water, the Light zips right through the water. It doesn't matter. With the current, without, if there's a special force helping the light go faster, the light doesn't care. It still travels the same speed forever and ever. It's fixed. It's absolute. It will not change. It has never changed. So we're getting to the end. Stay with me, okay? Remember the speed of light thing? This means that the speed of light in the presence of gravity, okay, So back to the gravity thing, back to the trampoline and the bowling ball. The speed of light will be the same whether it's moving through um, a gravitational field because there's a planet there or whether it's shooting through empty space because there's no massive object because we know that there's a lot of empty space in space, okay? And remember, light always takes the shortest path, obviously. It's going real fast and it always takes the shortest path. But remember... With massive objects in space, the shortest path is always curved. So, now I need to give the last analogy, okay? This is really going to sum everything up. I'm going to explain it as if me and you are both light. So, pretend that I'm light, I'm a photon, and so are you, okay? We're both particles, of, we're both light particles, okay? Those are called photons. Here's my little picture. We're going to have a race, Me and you are going to race. I'm going to start here. We're going to run to that planet. But the thing is, I am going completely straight. I have nothing in my way. There's no massive object in my path of our race. You are just right over there. And there's a planet. There's a little planet. And he's in your way for the race. You would think that that was unfair, right? I think it's unfair, but whatever. It's not unfair. So we're both going to race. You have to go around the planet. I don't. I just have to go straight. What you want to say, what you want to think in your mind is that I'm going to win. Every day I'm going to win that race because I am going straight. You have to go around something and it makes your path longer than mine, obviously. Okay, but the thing is, we would tie every fucking time we would tie. You'd get there at the same time that I'd get there and we'd look at each other and we'd be like, well, 
I guess we were wrong. I guess light is not, no light is better than the other because they all travel 186,000 miles per second, okay? And they always take the shortest path. Now, this is where time comes in. You're like, but still, how does that make sense? If it takes the shortest path and if they're traveling the same speed, if one of them has to go a shorter distance, aren't they going to win? No. No. Because when you're dealing with the speed equals distance over time equation, if speed, 186,000 miles per second, is remaining the same, so speed is 186,000 miles per second is equal to the distance over the time. So the distance that I traveled over the distance that you traveled, if your distance goes up, your time changes too. Because if it didn't, then this, the 186,000 miles per second wouldn't be next to that equal sign because it wouldn't, the equation would be different. You have to change the T when you change the distance. So when you do S equals D over T, speed equals distance over time, if distance is changing, you have to change the time too. But we're not, we're not doing that. The universe just coded it into how we live. It's literally like encoded into the fabric of space-time that time is going to change if distance changes. So here's my little... This was, this was what I showed my RA friends when I made the presentation. I got some good pictures. I was up so late. I, I, I said this in the episode before. I was up until 2 o'clock in the morning, and I shit you not, okay? I was on the internet looking for all these photos. See how this, see how he has to go around the earth, and that line is longer than the straight line? If you were the one going around the planet, I want you to picture it like your time is going to stretch. Let's, let's, fig let's figure one minute, okay? One minute is going to stretch and, and just take longer. The, the ticking of the clock is going to be slower so that when you get to the end, yes, it's been one minute. It's been 60 seconds. The clock ticked 60 times. But the ticking itself, and I don't, it's not like we're talking about a clock right now because humans, human beings made clocks, okay? So it's not like we're talking about this man-made thing. I'm talking about right now. As I'm sitting here recording this right now, time is passing. The clocks are ticking, but you don't even have to picture a clock. If we never even created a clock, there's some sort of Things are moving every time I'm saying something new to you guys. It's a new second. It's a new second now. It's a new second now. It just exists. Anyways, we don't need to figure it as clocks. But I want to explain it to you guys in a clock way because that's how you're going to understand it. The summarizing statement that I want to like hone in on is that the larger the object in this fabric of space-time, that means the stronger the gravitational pull. We understand that. We got through that in the beginning. The larger the object, the stronger the gravitational pull, the faster you're moving, the faster you're falling towards that object, okay? And the faster that you're moving through space, the slower you're moving through time. And this is 100 fucking percent true, okay? I'm going to scare you guys a little bit with this next thing that I'm going to say. So just hear me out. Remember what I said about the tennis ball and the bowling ball, right? The bowling ball 
causes more of a distortion in space time. It causes um, a stronger gravitational pull. And what I just said was the larger the object, the stronger the gravitational pull, the faster you're moving through space, the slower you're moving through time. Okay? When you are on, let's say we lived on a humongous planet. That means that our gravitational pull that we're like living inside of is strong. It is strong as hell. Okay? Which means we are moving very, very quickly through space. And what does that mean in turn? That we are moving very slow through time. Here's the scary part. We do not live on a massive planet. Earth is not big, okay? I don't know in the whole grand scheme of things how big the Earth is, but I think if we compared it to everything that's out there that exists, I'm sure there are quantum things that are so fucking tiny that Earth doesn't even compare and and couldn't even be called small in comparison to those things. But in my heart, I, I don't think it's big. I think it's really fucking tiny. Jupiter is huge, and that's just in our solar system. And then there's the sun, which is like a... I don't even know how many times bigger than the earth, but we are the tennis ball. We are not the bowling ball. We are the tennis ball. We are not moving fast through space. We do not have a strong gravitational pull. So what does that mean? That means we are moving very quickly through time. So when people say that time flies, it does. And if we had like alien friends that were from, let's say there was another planet that is super big, like the bowling ball. Let's say we live on the tennis ball over here, and then we have alien neighbors who live on the bowling ball. The way that they watch us is they watch us wake up, drink our coffee, go to work, go to sleep, wake up, drink coffee, go to work, go to sleep, like like that. And in 10 minutes, like they're just chilling. They're just like, watching tv with their friends and they're looking out the window at us and they're like holy shit it's been like two whole weeks for them and and they're watching us you know be you know be born and die real quick because years are flying by and not for them because they are in a different gravitational field than us their planet is larger which means their gravitational pull is stronger which means they're moving faster through space and slower through time on earth We're really tiny and yeah, we're moving fast as hell through time. That's why when people say time flies and it does. When you say like, oh, you know, for me, I'm 23 years old right now. I do remember when I was 12. Like I remember things from when I was younger and I'm like, it really feels like just yesterday. It feels like just yesterday I was in kindergarten or in third grade or experiencing my first day of middle school or... I just like, I remember them and it feels like time is flying by and that's because it is. Another scary thing, and this is not what we're ending with, but I just want to tell you guys a little thing. And I did do this in the RA presentation. It says skydiving because I went skydiving before. I know, very scary. I am a rebel, you know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. I I was scared to go and I didn't even really... Like, it wasn't my idea. It was my dad's idea. He wanted to do it for Father's Day. How funny. 
I now that I look back on it, I'm like, that is actually funny. For Father's Day, my dad's like, yes, let's all go skydiving. And we're like, okay, I guess so. Like, what? And me and my sister, me and my older sister went together. And I jumped out first because I just knew that I had to. I was like, if I don't jump out this plane before her and I watch her, like, fall, I'm just going to freak out. So it was terrifying. I In the moment, I thought I jumped to my death. Like, as I remember he was like... You're like sitting on somebody. So how it works, if you have not gone skydiving before, is you're kind of strapped to somebody. And I'm so, like, I know I'm light. So the guy was probably like, oh, this is going to be an easy one. And we, the way we landed was like very lightly and gracefully. And we didn't, like, it's not like we fell or like, I don't know. Anyways, you're strapped to somebody and they just jump out and yeah. You both jump together. They pull the fucking parachute. They handle all the stuff. And it was that idea that made me go because obviously if I was jumping by myself, there's no fucking way. There's just no way I would have done it. But I knew I was like, okay, these people don't want to die. Like they work here. They came to work and they don't want to die. So I trusted them. And when I jumped out, he jumped, he jumped, and I was just like strapped to him. When he jumped out, it, it, in the first second, I thought I was dead. I was like, oh my God, I just jumped to my death. We're done. And it took just another, it literally took three seconds for me to realize that everything was fine because you like fall, but your stomach never drops because you're not on a roller coaster. You're not strapped to something pulling you back down and that's what makes your stomach drop you literally just jump out the plane and now you're falling and it's like the air catches you I have a video but I'm not going to show you guys now I don't know if I'll ever show you because it's embarrassing but maybe if enough people ask I'll post it or something but it's stupid so it's like the air caught me and yeah, I just, it was, it was the only moment of my life where I literally was like, this is a movie. My eyes are not real. What I am visibly seeing right now cannot be real life. I still can like close my eyes and see it. It's like a movie. It's like I saw the whole island. It was fucking crazy. But that's when I realized, sadly, to bring it back to science stuff, I wasn't falling fast at all. I was freaking floating up there. Like we were like, oh my gosh, look at that. Look at that. We are not moving fast through space. We're moving so slow through space. Our planet is so tiny. The gravitational pull is not fucking strong, which means we're moving through time so fast. We're, we're moving through time so fast. And I don't know what to do about that. Anyways. Yeah. I know. I know it's all crazy. But what are you going to do? That's just it. So how I want to wrap this episode up is today is a special day. Today is February 29th. And we don't get that day every year. It is a leap year. And I just want to explain why we have leap years. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty obvious to keep this shit in check. You know, we're keeping everything in check. So if you look it up, it's going to tell you a single revolution around the sun takes about 365.24 days. So that little 0.24 kind of rounds about to like a quarter, 0.25. So that little 
extra quarter of a day starts to fuck things up if we don't account for it. So that is why every four years we add the quarters. We 25, 50, 75, a whole day. And every four years we add that day to the shortest month in the calendar, which is February. And there are some rules about it because um, you can own, so like if the year is divisible by 100, you can't have a leap year. So we had a leap year in the 1600s and, and the 2000s, but not in the 1700s, 1800s, or 1900s. And there are some other rules to it, but that's like the gist, is we're accounting for the quarter of a day. So it goes a little bit further. The Earth rotating around the sun goes, it takes 365.24 days. And we got to account. We got to account for the quarter of a day. And that's why every four years, and oh, it's every year that's divisible by four. So 2020, leap year. 2024, also leap year. But if the year is divisible by 100, we cannot have a leap year. So, yeah. That's the gist of Space Time, episode two. And I really hope that my presentation was good. When I gave it to my RA friends, I remember everyone had so many questions at the end. They were like, Sierra, what the fuck? Like, does that mean that... I would actually age like does that mean that I would come back and be physically older or and it's like yes the time and it's not a time zone because time zones were also created by humans it's kind of like just the time the time that you are in and it, it all depends on your gravity really that's what it depends on and the speed of light do you get how the speed of light the speed equals distance over time thing was what Einstein used to prove it to be true if you don't, I don't know. I really hope you do. I really hope I explained it well. The leap year thing, very cool as well. But anyways, um, next week, I think uh, we are either going to talk about dreams or I think I'm going to do the number nine episode because I'm really, really excited to talk to you guys about the number nine. I, I say it all the time, but I don't, I have never explained it. I've only explained it to a couple of my friends like on the side and it's the craziest thing that I've ever learned about for myself. I have watched a Randall Carlson two-hour documentary about sacred geometry three times. So I promise those are my credentials. The internet and YouTube are my credentials when it comes to knowing about the number nine. And yeah, we're going to get into sacred geometry and a little bit about the pyramids next week. So as always, thanks for the mystery and stay tuned for next week's episode, the number nine. Thank you.